Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome to the Big Ten Show presented by the Believe Network. He is Nebraska Cornhusker legend Adam Carricker and also former NFL defensive lineman Adam Carricker, all in the same. And I am Tom Hannafin from Believe's State of State, a Penn State football podcast. We are getting set for more bowl games this weekend, but we're also on the heels, Adam, of a lot of stuff going on with National Signing Day this past Wednesday and, of course, the transfer portal. So much activity. I know a lot with your Nebraska Cornhuskers that you want to get to, but the Big Ten in regard to National Signing Day and the transfer portal, it's been a hot-button issue, and especially seeing the movement on all these rosters. What are you seeing? Hold on, real quick, real quick. I told you I was going to have you do this. I'm not cool enough, but give it, give everyone a thumbs up, Tom. A little thumbs up. I don't know if it's going to show up on camera. It's not going to do it now? We're going to oh, do this. Little- Oh, the so confetti. We were, we were, There's the there confetti. Go. There we go. Tom. That's in time for New Year's. We're I'm ready for New Year's here on the Big Ten that's Show. Awesome. That's awesome. No, when you uh, so when you look at the top 20 recruiting classes in the country, half of them belong to the SEC conference. Okay. And then six of the top 20 classes belong to Big Ten teams. And then you've got Notre Dame who just does whatever the heck they want to do. Zero Big 12, zero any other conference. Okay. As far as top 20 recruiting classes and the rankings and things of that nature, which I do take with a grain of salt, but you need talent acquisition. So my question for you, Tom, is simply this. Is the SEC and the Big Ten, I mean, we already kind of knew this, but are they already just taking over college football? Like, the only other real Power 5 conference, oh, I forgot, I forgot, the S- the ACC does have three teams. Sorry, I forgot about the ACC, no disrespect, Fair. ACC. Okay, but like the Big 12 has zero. Like, there's really probably going to be two major conferences going forward. Is the ACC and the Big 12 even going to be able to compete at all? And I find it very interesting, the proposition put out there by NCAA President Charlie Baker very recently about having an NIL slash trust fund subdivision of FBS and that those teams are able to compete separately. It kind of feels like we've had that for years. It's just not been official. You have what the SEC has been able to do, galvanizing whole states with their teams. And then meanwhile, the Big Ten taking a different model and trying to go after specific TV markets like dominating Los Angeles, going after the Pacific Northwest, the way they have with USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon. I I think it's just a matter of time that those two conferences either start to break off entirely, melding together. I don't know. The SEC has the most power, it seems like, right now. And honestly, if you're a player being recruited right now, it's the SEC first, the Big Ten second, and it's everybody else after that. Big 12 really got hurt by Texas and Oklahoma departing. The, what they have left is good. It's it's not great. You know what I mean? And then the ACC, it's very top-heavy with what Florida State and potentially Miami could be. They had a great class. But I, I don't know. It just feels like it's moving this way inevitably. How do you feel? I don't even think the ACC is going to be around in three years. I think Florida State's gone. I think Clemson and Miami are going to want to follow. I already know that the SEC and the Big Ten are talking to Virginia and North Carolina. Sorry, Duke, I haven't heard the rumors about you. Could be wrong. But I don't even think the ACC is going to be around. I think it's going to be SEC, Big Ten. I do think, like especially if the Big Ten could get Florida State, now you're Piscataway to L.A. to Florida. If they can get them, they're a national brand. So that might help them catch up to the SEC a little bit. Okay, but I do think it's going to be Big Ten, SEC, and then that third conference, just because all these other teams that are not Oregon State and Washington State who weren't even cool enough to go to the Big 12, everyone else is going to look for a place to go, and it's going to be the Big 12 just by 
de facto matter. They, they want somewhere to go. And so I think it's going to be those three conferences, but really Big Ten, SEC. I'm already missing the Pac-12. The ACC, which used to be good at basketball, isn't even going to be around that, that much longer, I don't think. I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be those three with the real power to I loved the model that Chip Kelly from UCLA threw out there is saying, why do we have to change the conference alignments for every sport when football is the big moneymaker? You can move things around with one sport. Hell, you mentioned Notre Dame. They're in the ACC Mm -hmm. in basketball, independent in football. So what's the problem with doing that just across the board? Um, I like the idea thrown out there by former Penn State offensive lineman John Urschel of having the relegation concept that exists in the English Premier League for soccer and giving incentive for every game of the year. You move up, you move down, power five, five. Like, let's add some stakes to this freaking thing. (laughs) Yes. Now, now if you're like, you know, three and six and you got three games to go, let's let's say two and seven, you're not going to make a bowl game. You still have a reason to play because if you're one of the two or three worst teams, now you get dropped down. And then the two or three best teams from a, let's say, group of five or whatever, get, get popped up. I love that soccer model. Now, real quick, Notre Dame, okay? I always make the joke, they get to have their cake and eat it too, even though their icing isn't even that good anymore. Okay, that's how I like to phrase it. Should they have to join a freaking conference? Also, I think they're going to have to because all these conferences are going to make so much money, they're going to end up being on the outside looking in. But what say you? I envy Notre Dame because they get to do whatever they want. They get the benefit of the doubt. They get put in the top 10 because of brand notoriety seemingly every year. Everybody was freaking out about Sam Hartman being the starting quarterback and what they did against Navy over in Ireland to start off the season. And then we found out within a few weeks that they were pretenders and not contenders. I I envy them because they get to be independent and they can do whatever they want. They can make their schedule very diverse. I think that's something that's missing because we get so bogged down in, oh, you only played your conference and Michigan's strength of schedule. They played a week non-con and a week conference schedule. It's like, great, let's mix it up. Play teams from the Mountain West, play teams from the SEC. That's the benefit Notre Dame has. I still don't have to like Notre Dame. And that's, you know, those two things can exist at the same time. Thumbs up on that one. (laughs) Thumbs up on that one. Uh, Thank you all so much for joining us here on the Big Ten Show. We are going to be joined here next by Fox Sports' Rob Stone to get his thoughts on what in the world is going on with the Michigan Wolverines, the Ohio State Buckeyes, sorry to all the rest of the Big Ten fans out there, but also what this means for the remainder of the Big Ten going into 2024. And we're all big wrestling fans. We might talk a little wrestling. That's next on the Big Ten Show. Joining us now on the Big Ten Show from Fox Sports, he is Rob Stone. Rob, first of all, happy holidays and happy new year. How are things on your side of the country right now? Um, (laughs) Do you want the honest assessment? I want the honest. Uh, Always. Always. So, all right. Well, the honest assessment is I have four teenagers. All of them are in high school and all of them are going through finals this week. So I had to get, I, I can't even talk to my humans. I have to get my phone out and text them like, hey, I'm doing a interview today at 8 a.m. Pacific. Can you please be respectful and not play music, not yell, not scream about laundry that was or wasn't done, uh, worry about a certain final, a carpool, a ride. So um, somewhere just over there and up there is all kinds of chaos brewing. But right here is good. We just get to talk Big Ten. It's a happy place. It's a very happy place. I love a couple of things. I love that you call them your humans, first of all. Okay. Second of all, I have six kids. All right, now only only one's it's a not teenager. a competition, Adam. No, 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 no. Oh, well, if there's any more coming, there's going to be a doctor getting an unhappy visit from me. 
there's not a competition I'm trying to win. I've only got one teenager, but at a certain point in my life, in the near future, I'm going to have a senior, a junior, a freshman, two seventh graders, and a fifth grader. So I'm not where you're at, but I know what's coming my way, my friend. Oh. So I kind of sort of get it. It's Yeah, you, we, I'll prepare you the best I can, but you're still going to get a <laughs> I appreciate that. the back of the head and have no idea what's coming. Yep. <laughs> Well, Rob, as you mentioned, we're here to talk about all things Big Ten football. There's so much happening with the bowl season, of course, National Signing Day this past week, the transfer portals opening, the coaching carousel. It's just outrageous. But yourself and the rest of the Fox Big Noon kickoff team had so many opportunities this year to cover. Arguably, I don't even know if it's arguable, the biggest story in college football is what's going on with the Michigan Wolverines. There were some more allegations that came out this past week, level two infraction to a level one infraction dating back to freaking COVID. It's, it just continues. So is this a witch hunt or is this warranted by the NCAA? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the facts in front of me, um, but I have always been a guy uh, as, I'm, as my dog is chiming in over there. She's what's that Callie? You're not a Michigan fan. All right. Well, you keep your bias over there. Uh, you know, for me, I've always been a where there's smoke, there's fire type guy. So uh, <laughs> this is this is this is calmness in my house. This is honesty. Um, so I, I would be worried if I was a Michigan fan and a Michigan supporter that that the NCAA Sharks kind of keep smelling blood and, and keep circling around. Um, you know, and then as you guys know, there's so many different levels of infractions and what really matters and what doesn't. But I forget what the what the exact quote was out there, but it was basically like this wasn't for a cheeseburger, right? Something like that. So um, the, the news that came out yesterday is not as troubling as what may still lurk out there um, in regards to, you know, what exactly happened Um and why Jim Harbaugh ultimately accepted that three-game suspension this year. Um, it, it's crazy. It's crazy to think, and and even if you talk to Michigan hardcore, you know, Maze and Blue fans, that their head coach missed six games this season, a, a season that very well could go down as one of the greatest on-the-field football seasons ever in, in the illustrious history of Michigan football, yet their head coach missed six games for two separate incidents, if you will. So, um, if I was Michigan, I'd be worried about it, uh, about what might be coming down the road. I don't know when that road is going to happen. Um, obviously, nobody does because Jim Harbaugh could be in a plane and get a suspension, right? That's the way it happened when they flew to Penn State. Um, but I, I hope that doesn't take away from what they've been able to do on the field because this collection of, of young men, these student athletes, have really put together an, an amazing season that, that Michigan faithful should be extremely proud of. And you know, we were questioning how good they were this season because the, the front part of their schedule was, we're, uh, we'll use their term, Light. manageable, right? Yeah, it was, it was manageable. Uh, manageable. And then business picked up, but they took care of their business. Um, and they were able to use, I feel, that that chip on their shoulder to kind of motivate them through this, this sludginess that was, that was out there. Now that they've had this long break, um, I, I don't know if there's going to be that carryover effect, right? Like when it's week to week and... And you guys are in the fight of it, and and Harbaugh's taking these shots, and the program's taking these shots. It's easy, I think, to rally the troops and and find that extra level when you're at Penn State or you're at Maryland or you're taking on Ohio State or the Big Ten championship game. Um, I'm curious what this layoff has done for them. Um, I think if anything, if I was Michigan, I probably want to just keep playing, right? Because everything that they had was going so well. Um, 
And I like them. I, I know there's a lot of people out there who don't think that they're going to get by Alabama. I think they would have loved to have had Florida State instead of Alabama. But I actually believe in this Michigan team, and, and I think they're going to get themselves to that championship game this year. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about basically the bookend suspensions, the beginning of the year, the end of the year, what this season could mean for Michigan fans if they do go on to win it all, could be an all-time season. It's but I'm going to ask, I'm not going to get to any of that just yet. I'm going to ask, well, first of all, you took care of your humans, but not quite your dogs. But that's what I love about it. It's raw, ladies and gentlemen. We're having fun. But here's my question. It's, it's not about the uh, upcoming playoff game just yet. I want to ask about that next. But Jim Harbaugh, let's say, okay, a bunch of these sanctions come down. A bunch of these, th- these things come down on the university. It's going to take time. We know that. But maybe he sees the writing on the wall, so to speak. Do you think he's going to be Michigan's head coach next year or two years from now, or is it much easier to go to the NFL where he knows he can find a very, very good job? Right, and obviously he's he's been courted by the NFL in the past, and there's going to be these openings, and he's had success at the NFL, right? I think that's the big thing, that these NFL owners will look and say, oh, this guy has done it. I'm willing to overlook maybe some of these college infractions because guess what? That, that stuff doesn't happen in the NFL. Yes, there's NFL infractions and, and rules and whatnot. Um, if you would ask me this question, and if you'd ask the Big Noon Kickoff guys this question, say two, three, four weeks ago, I think they all would have said across the board, he's gone. Um, you know, he doesn't need this. He's got opportunities. He, you know, if you look at his timeline through his coaching career, he kind of, I wouldn't say he wears out his welcome. It just, it, it kind of expires and it needs to go on to the next and it goes mm-hmm. on to the next. And I think that's just kind of the human being that he is or how he coaches or how he handles things. And I know there's, you know, issues he had in San Francisco with, you know, those in the front office, but it always feels like there's kind of this timeline with Harbaugh where it's X years and it's, it's time to go on to the next and X years and it's time to go on to the next. And we're clearly at that X year window. If you ask me where it might be time for that new challenge, but there there's part of me that just knows and hears and feels his passion for his, his university. You know, this one is a little bit different. It's not leaving Stanford or, or leaving San Diego. This is his school that, that he is essentially kind of resurrected. Remember just a, it was three years ago, three and a half years ago, we were saying, you know, he's, he's out because he's out, you know, not because he has other opportunity. He, he's out because he's not getting it done at Michigan. And now he's got them to this elite level year after year after year. Um, and he, I think he's a more of a, a collegiate guy. If you ask me, you know, where he's wearing the the cleats and he's got the gloves in the back pocket to catch some warm ups. I mean, the whole thing just reeks of of college and, and building young men. And um, we all know how tricky it is to go from college to NFL. You're, it's two completely different jobs. I feel more than ever, actually, that I think he's going to stay. I think he feels like this is home and, and this is what I want to do. But and it's a big but those those. The, the winds that are swirling around him, um, you know, I don't know if if he could take another suspension um, and still be looked at as as honorably as a lot of people try to view him at Michigan. So that would be the tough one. I mean, there's there's definitely, Adam, that that opening out there of, you know, let me get out before I'm swept out and let me take a great cushy job and he'll have his pick of NFL openings um, at a lot of these places if he wants it. I don't think Chicago's one of them, um, you know, I just think his back history with with the people that are in play there in Chicago doesn't quite fit. Uh, but I think there's some other opportunities out there that are going to be really hard to turn around. But in the end, I think he's a Michigan guy through and through and stays in Ann Arbor. 
one of the reasons they have so much momentum, obviously three straight wins against Ohio State. And just a few weeks ago with the transfer portal opening up, Rob, it seemed like there might be a mass exodus underneath Ryan Day there in Columbus. And now they go into National Signing Day and they sign a hell of a recruiting class. So it seems like Ohio State is reloading again for next season. Starting quarterback is a question uh, in terms of Ohio State's place. in is a question. Season. You're calling it just a question. It's the I think it's the biggest question in college football Agreed. out there right now. I agree and, with you. And I, I don't know what, what they're going to do. You know, I mean, McCord leaving for Syracuse, you know, um, listen, I, I I spent four years of my life in upstate New York, but let's be honest, there's Ohio State and then there's Syracuse and you can't see my hand anymore, right? I mean, that is a that is a big drop off. I don't, I, I never felt like Ohio State was enamored with McCord long-term. Um, I think they were always kind of hoping that there would be a better fit for who they are going forward. And to McCord's credit, he fought through it. Um, you know, th that late interception in Ann Arbor, I think kind of sealed his fate. Um, but, but I think he could have looked back on that, that winning drive at Notre Dame and saying, wait a second, this, this guy, maybe he does have it, but I think he was just too much of a pocket type passer, didn't have enough legs to get him out where they always just wanted somebody else. Um, which will be fascinating to me who that somebody else is going to be because they got to figure that out ASAP because they have two NFL ready receivers that haven't yet really said what they're doing, which to me is remarkable. Um, and who knows, it could happen while we're, we're having this discussion right now with Aguka and, and Harrison. Um, but you can also hear the relief in Ryan Day, you know, when he got the number one overall wide receiver. It's, you know, I think that there is this building pressure. Um, in Columbus, there's always pressure having lost three straight to Michigan, um, trying to figure out who your quarterback is after you're losing people who committed to you and then leave for Georgia, then leave Georgia. Um, it, it's, it's a little sloppier and I thought it would have been resolved weeks ago. And yet we're still sitting here saying who really is the Ohio state quarterback of the future. And that's a big question for a lot of elite level wide receivers out there. You talk about Ryan Day's relief. You couldn't just hear it. You could see it. You could feel it in his reaction. Like, oh, my gosh, we just got the number one recruit. And I, I, I have not seen his full highlight tape. But I'll tell you, the few plays I saw, that guy's fast. And I, I, pull, I call my wife over. I'm like, Angie. And I stopped the tape. And I said, look where he's at. Look where everyone else is. There's three guys within two feet of him. I let the tape go. By the time he was in the end zone, he was 12 to 13 yards ahead of them. I have not seen that type of separation speed since Reggie Bush, maybe Ted Ginn Jr. Those are the only two guys that I can think of. So he should be excited. But here's my question, okay, because we got to ask you about the college football playoff game between Michigan, between Bama. I love – you make a great point with the layoff, the time off. Maybe this revitalizes Michigan and gets them amped up again because they were fired up for Penn State. Obviously, easy to get fired up for Ohio State. I yeah. did not like the reaction that they gave when they saw they were playing Bama. That's the only thing that gives me cause to pause. I'm, I'm still personally picking Michigan, but Alabama's played not a manageable schedule, so we call it much, much tougher. I think number one in the country, SOS, and maybe the most improved player in the country uh, at their quarterback position. Who you got winning that game? I, I got Michigan. I mentioned that just a smidge earlier. Um, I, I, I do like them because I, I, they kind of have this destiny-type vibe to them. And also um, – being a guy who's been in sports for a long time, you know, I remember when Michael Jordan, you know, first kind of splashed onto the scene and it was, oh my gosh, Chicago Bulls, look at them, they're going to be fantastic. But it took them and him 
a few years to figure out to kind of get over that that hump, whether it was the Celtics or the Bad Boys or whatever. Um, I feel like Michigan's kind of that team right now where they've been so close. They haven't been able to get over the bump. I feel like now they have that locker room, that veteran locker room presence. They have a locker room which uh, manages the program right now. Like, I don't think Harbaugh has to do that much. And this is not a knock on Jim Harbaugh. If anything, it's a compliment on him and his staff that they have created a culture there inside that locker room that can handle anything, can handle that program. And they have been dealt some odd cards this year. I just like the way that that locker room um, has handled their business. And I think they continue it during this pause and are able to kind of turn that conversation about Alabama. You're right, the, the nonverbals, the visuals out there of the reaction to finding out that it wasn't Florida State, that it was Alabama that they would meet in the Rose Bowl instead um, gave me a bad vibe. And I, I guarantee you the leadership on that team saw it and felt it and said, get your back in that locker room right now, close that yeah. door, and we're going to straighten that out, and we're going to straighten it out on the field right now. I would not be worried about Michigan. If anything, I think Michigan – prospers with this this underdog type role which is crazy to say for the number one seed in the college football playoffs but i think michigan is is a bit of an underdog to a lot of people to, to vegas included and they'll take that i i always loved being an underdog that that's when teams i think perform their best there's a little less pressure on them um there's a are you kidding me we're number one and you're not going to give us the respect uh, i think a lot of those things are going to come into play um and i really like michigan and i like michigan early to come after alabama and be creative and hopefully if you're a michigan fan get that run game going from from the from the jump uh to let mccarthy and company be a little bit more comfortable in their game plan we'll see if the wolverines wind up as the national champions rob you're a champion you're a former wwe 24 7 champion we appreciate your time we know you got a lot going on what do you mean <laughs> he doesn't remember it at all, folks. Not at all. Remember it at all. Not I at wake all. up every morning and I look at this picture right there. Look at that belt around my slim waist. I'm sorry that Rudy's in that picture, but you look fantastic. I, this honestly, this is one of the favorite pictures I have in my home. Um, it was such a stupid, fantastic moment, and I'm so glad that WWE and and Fox Sports, frankly, uh, allowed me to have it. Our truth. I still own you, our truth. Um, <laughs> Elias came in and rolled me up out of no, like I oh. literally knew what was happening, but I never saw Elias come by and roll me up. And he almost, like if you watch the tape, he, my head just missed hitting our huge video scoreboard that was right there because the roll up happened so fast. And it happened so fast, he like, uh, he, he ripped the skin off my elbow that was on our artificial turf. Um, but it was such a such a ridiculous highlight. I've I've been a wrestling fan um, since I was a kid, crying about the Strongbow Brothers getting jobbed by Suji and uh, Mr. Suji, Mr. Saito. Uh, I remember getting so upset about them, and the Moon Dogs were robbed again, and cheering on Bob Backlund. And good God, um, you know the the claw is coming your way from Blackjack Mulligan, and and now there's a Von Eric movie that's coming out this holiday season. I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, so I'm a bit of a um, I guess I'm not so closeted anymore, but I'm a bit of a wrestling nerd. I, I watch it. Every week, sometimes I zip through it, but uh, whenever it's in town or whenever I get a chance to go see it live, it, it and, and Tom, you know this, there is something different about the live presentation and production of professional wrestling at WWE. It is, it is nonstop. It is three hours if it's a Monday of in the arena, nonstop 
your eye. It's like, you know what it is? It's like um, you're at the, the U2 Sphere concert. I don't know if you guys have been there yet or seen it. I was lucky enough to go. But it's not like your eyes are just constantly here. And what's going on over there? And my God, what's coming out of the building? Wait, 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 there's somebody's running down the stairs. And during commercial breaks, there's still stuff. It is, it is an amazing, amazing production. It's fascinating. Try doing play-by-play for it. It's really uh, interesting. <laughs> with that being said, go be with your humans. Happy holidays. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for being on the big. Time Happy show. to you guys. Thanks for thanks, thanks for, for having me. And maybe uh, a little bit later, we'll talk some we'll talk some college hoops. It's up and running, baby. It's up and running. That'd be Ooh. awesome. Let's do I it. Love it. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thank thanks. you, Rob. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks. That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.